0: Send the boys to cinnamon then. Episode one. Hello, hello. I uh, hope you're well wherever you are, whatever you're doing. Uh, just want to say quickly before we kick things off. Uh, really big thank you to everyone that listened to the first episode or the pile
1: episode yeah. we called it. Yeah, really appreciate it. Thank yeah, you. it was
0: lovely to hear so many messages, predominantly from people we know.
1: Yeah, it's fine. Hello, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> but uh,
0: yeah, you know it's 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 really nice and it's um, yeah. I don't know, it's really lovely. Yeah, so thank you very much. Means a lot. Yes. Uh, the film we are discussing today, though, uh, is After Sun. After Sun, a debut film from uh, writer-director Charlotte Wells that explores the child perspective of an unraveling father, or shall I say, a mentally unraveling father? Mm, yeah. Set against the backdrop of a holiday in nineties Turkey, it's a film that really impacted the both of us a great deal.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So much so that we wanted to talk about it um but felt that with the film having a limited cinema release uh probably wouldn't get the traction that avatar would for example yeah yeah um (laughs) however it is coming on to mubi on the 6th of january which at the time of recording is tomorrow which the release of this will coincide with that i would implore you to get mubi not only for this film but for many other great films Mm. um but uh I guess for the purpose of this discussion, get it for this, so yeah. you can listen to this episode. Yeah, and watch, do watch after some, because uh, it's well worth it. It is indeed. And also, before we move on to the break, sorry for the shit audio in the last episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, there was a bit of a microphone situation that we've now fixed, hopefully. Yes. Or made worse, who knows? <laughs> who knows?
0: Questing the Cinematic Ride. It was a pilot
1: episode, so it doesn't matter. No.
0: The sound is. It's a pilot. It's a pilot! Yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm not. Le- leave it out. Wait, right? I, I, haven't, yeah. I haven't thought about it for a good f- few minutes.
0: <laughs> no. I'm, um, so, I'm so
1: sorry. <laughs> unacceptable.
0: Yes. <laughs> right, anyway. So, uh, After Sun. Since the sort of backdrop of the film is a classic 90s holiday, it would seem amiss not to bring our own personal experiences of our own holidays as children. Because it's one thing that this film does so well is it makes something that is quite personal, clearly to the director Charlotte Wells and writer. Yeah, is that even if it feels personal to her, she manages to make it feel personal to you as well.
1: Yeah, she she's kind of made it general enough so that it's going to connect with you know the average cinema goer mm. at least, especially in the United Kingdom. I'd I'd say absolutely.
0: Yeah. Um, what's your sort of if you could think of like a, a holiday memory that sort of relates to some of the sort of themes of the film what would you what would be your
1: i know that's a bit of a weird bit no, of a big no. question but okay no i do have one i was i think i must have been about six or seven now, or maybe maybe slightly older cause still quite fresh in my mind um went to the south of france on like a kind of we stayed in like a caravan and um on the holiday much like uh the Protagonist or one of the protagonists, if you can call her that, Sophie sort of does. She sort of she meets a boy, and I kind of met a girl on holiday. And obviously, you kind of have like crushes at that age. You oh, don't yeah. you don't really understand what they mean. Yeah, yeah, and, and they're it's really all,
0: intense as well because you know they're brief. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. And yeah. It, it's
1: the opportunity for that kind of situation to occur gets exemplified on holiday because there's nothing else going on. You don't yeah. have any responsibility, especially when you're six. <laughs> so anyway, I met this met this girl, and I was like clearly i was really into her i was like smitten and um every my whole family could kind of tell yeah it was at, uh one of those kind of strange like kids club holiday kind oh, of things yeah, so yeah, like yeah. obviously your family your parents i should say can kind of uh have a bit of respite from you <laughs> yeah, yeah. and um yeah we just sort of she was just i remember her being really nice and like we kind of got on with a whole family and we kind of spent I think we had like a few meals out together we ended up just kind of making friends and I was on the last day of the holiday I remember buying her a packet of sweets oh yeah as a kind of like a gesture yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought that this Sales is deal. absolutely yeah, yeah. in the bag the yeah. uh, no but I remember the vast majority of them being made out of that weird like foam stuff you got oh, yeah. on the like yeah, yeah, yeah. Bow eggs yeah and I just Bow egg whites yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> well, you know, you gotta gotta bring out the big guns, oh, of course, you know. Yeah. Um, and I couldn't find her all day, and I couldn't give her the packet of sweets. I was Aww. like so so distraught, Aww. and I kept it to myself all day. And then we went out for dinner that evening, and I just burst into tears. <laughs> <laughs> I was so like upset, and then uh, by coincidence they arrived at the same restaurant and I was too scared to give her the sweets so I got my brother to do it for me. Ah, okay. <laughs> and that so ended... ever since. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> and so ended my brief holiday. I don't even know. You can't even, couldn't even call it a romance, but yeah, there you go. That, that was mine. I like that. Where, what's yeah, what's your... Uh, I, I, uh, do you have so, one? Hmm? Yeah,
0: I, I, we used to go camping a lot with my dad so my dad was an avid camper. And when you're at that age, uh, when you're like 10 and that, it's like, great. It's mm. too yeah realise yeah. it's rubbish. Yeah, it's freezing. Yeah, it's freezing <laughs> and wet. Yeah. Um but um I remember really clearly because it was the year it was two thousand and one, so I was eleven. It was the day England beat Germany five one. Weird, you have got to hold on to that for really yeah. But I can remember really vividly and my dad we were sat in this sort of campsite bar, you know, I think it was like a pub with like a field behind it or something, I and my dad met this fella who was an archaeologist. And obviously my dad was a huge history buff, so we would just chat away for hours. It seemed really getting on. I was sat with his son and we sort of, you know, didn't hit it off the same way our parents did, but, you know, we we made the best of it. Mm. Later on that evening, um, after the conversation had finished and we went back to our respective tents, we were walking back. I think we were walking to the toilet from our tent and we look out and just see this this felt his head poking about it one of those windbreakers. <laughs> and my dad, you know, just going on the basis of the fact they would had a lovely conversation for like three hours in a, in, a, in a pub, was waving him. He didn't wave back. And this guy was like tensing his face. And uh, it was really weird. And my dad was like, that's really strange. And I remember being quite keenly aware of like my dad's disappointment of being rejected, you know. And uh, as we walked around, the windbreaker to the side, he was just, Revealed him just hovering over a bucket, just shitting in a bucket, <laughs> and I just remember like his sort of milky pale thighs just hovering over this smelly bucket, just just sort of <laughs> of gleaming in the moonlight. And I just remember thinking, I remember I even said to my dad, "Look, he's having a shit. That, well, that's why he's not." You know, I don't know why, but it'll always that always stay with me. I don't know why. To have to go from having like quite a nice evening and yeah, and then to
1: sort of it, you just, know, just to be spoilt. Yeah, just devolving into <laughs> yeah. That. Uh, yeah. oh yeah we're we're camping and yeah yeah we're that camping. Do this, yeah 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 we're kind of nomads at the moment yeah yeah oh. I no mean, I blaming for it no. no no fair enough I mean no. that is the
0: worst part about camping walking to the toilets yeah by yeah. a mile
1: so oh, fair I enough I love it yeah. Ah, Thank that's you. slightly different to my story. I, I thought, you, for some reason, I've had it pegged that yours was going to be a holiday romance as well. <laughs> With a no, <the> bike. <laughs> yeah, <yeah>. As soon <laughs> as you just said it be weird 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 blake, I I was like, a blank. I would it at Yeah, I <yeah. Yeah>. oh.
0: <laughs> So, you know, I think that's what's so great about Aftersun is mm. that sort of way it captures the spirit of, a, a, like, a family holiday in the sense that, obviously, there's lots of enjoyment and fun, because you know, obviously it's an incredible privilege to go on holiday. Yeah. Even you know, as a child, there are plenty of people that didn't do that very much in their childhood. So obviously it's not lost on you that it's a great privilege, but there's a lot of times where it is actually quite boring. Yeah. And you're sort of put in situations, you're all thrust into these situations where you have to socialize with other kids as bored as you are. Mm. Um, and I just think the film does that so well. I mean, the, the scene where they're playing on that um, sort of arcade motorbike oh, yeah, game and yeah. that boy comes over and, and they have such a sort of stilted, awkward conversation, so masterfully Very, yeah. written and beautifully acted by both. Which, again, is something we'll talk about, the acting in this film is stellar. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I just think it's so lovely. It just reminds me of being a kid standing at an arcade machine playing Metal Slug 4. Was like that, 20p P <laughs> ago, And there'll yeah. be kids, like, crowding around you and wanting to go. I don't know, it really just taps into that really personal element of the holiday.
1: Absolutely, yeah. No, I thought it was um, particularly strong in terms of just... Almost embracing the sort of Britishness of what holidays can be sometimes uh, because obviously they're in Turkey, but it doesn't concern itself too much with Turkish culture or anything like that. Right. It's just set in a holiday camp and they're you know she's i think she's nine yes, her character, so. yeah, and so she she's not there to explore ruins or anything really she's just there to to just you know they're both there just there to relax and usually those kinds of holiday camps come come with a lot of sort of criticism but this film did a really great job of kind of i don't know applying some warmth to the whole thing mm, yeah i agree yeah
0: it showed the sort of
1: yeah i think warmth is that
0: is, is you're dead right with yeah. the use of the word i think but he did it in a way that it balanced both it balanced this sort of warmth of like being able to like sort of sit at the pool or the random people you meet or the sort of. Despicably poor entertainment they put on
1: um
0: but also the that idea of the sort of it's almost like a suffocating claustrophobic boredom. Yeah. And you're thrust into these into these situations where you're like in tight spaces with your family and even if it's supposed to be fun, it, there's gonna it's gonna devolve into some kind of argument or yeah. some kind of issue. Like, and I just think the film did that
1: really, really well. Absolutely, yeah. It sort of it reminded me of I'm not a big reader. But I, whenever I'm on holiday, for some reason, I can polish off like three novels in a week. Yeah, and it yeah, is probably yeah. because, like you say, holidays are, and I mean this in a very positive way, they can be quite boring. Like, yeah. you, you go from everyday life, which can involve, like, even when you're nine, like, you've got school, you've got yeah. your friends who you know and love. And then you're, yeah, like you say, you're just thrust into a completely new, a totally alien environment and you're like, well, what do I do next? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I guess it t- so. doesn't take long to exhaust all the options
0: that these sorts of places provide. Yeah, and If you're not going further afield out of that place, then mm. I think they do a couple of times in the film, but it's most of the film is centred in, in that sort of holiday park space.
1: Yeah, at the end, they do... I think on the, right at the end, on his birthday, they go out and they actually go and do some exploring, but I get the feeling like they... It was mainly a holiday for her. Yeah. But on his birthday, they had some kind of like slightly more adult stuff planned. Yeah, like they're going okay. to a mud bath and all that kind of thing. Yeah. But, okay. Yeah. yeah. I didn't think about that. Yeah. Mm.
0: Yeah. And no, I like that. That's mm. cool. I guess one of the biggest themes of the film, though, is the. I think a large part of it is from the perspective of, what well, it's a child's perspective, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And I think one of the great strengths of the film in that regard is how it shows uh, that children are far more perceptive than we often give them credit for. Yeah. They they just understand that there's a lot, there's much more going on and parents or, you know, do this thing where they try and shield children from the sort of more complex or even darker or more sort of nastier side of life. Mm. But these things... Come through eventually. At some point, you can't uphold that facade forever as a, as, a, as an adult, as or as a human being, even to your own children. No, yeah. And the way that the that she has to sort of read those situations, but she it's clear that even if she is perceptive, she lacks the sort of real world, I guess, knowledge or life through life experience that yeah. helps people understand or begin to understand why things happen, yeah. bad things happen, or good things happen. But in the case of this film. Uh, the sort of slow unravelling of her father, which is a huge theme in the film.
1: Yeah. Big time. Yeah. There, there's a really great moment in the film which kind of illustrates that whole thing. Is she, you can tell that she knows something's up. Yeah. But she doesn't quite know how to approach it or how to process it or how to talk to him about it because obviously she's nine. And her, it's a lovely, lovely scene. And everyone talks about the end scene with the dance, but I think this is one of the best moments is when um, it's his birthday you can tell something's not quite right and her solution is to go up to everyone else in the group and say, do you want to sing Happy Birthday to my dad? Mm. And they do and it's just like, he's up on this hill and they all sing for him and it's just like so amazing, warm, but so heartbreaking at the yeah. same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah it is. Uh, and it's just her way of, you know, offering up a kind of form of love.
0: Trying to sort of, yeah, yeah. Know, trying to sort of offset the difficulties that he's exposed yeah. more and more to her as the film progresses. Yeah, definitely,
1: yeah. yeah. I love that scene. It's so, yeah, it is so lovely. I just, yeah. yeah, do you want to sing happy birthday to my dad? It's just like, fuck. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's hard to see I just mm. think that idea that, I think in the film, that sort of another one of the great strengths, i would probably say great strengths about six times already, yeah. um, but it's, <laughs> um, again, that sort of idea that as a parent you do shield your, your children from the sort of harsher realities and yeah. I think in the case of the dad in this in this film, it's someone that is clearly struggling mentally. Mm. He's had obviously a difficult past. Yeah. And these are little snippets and snapshots that just in the way it is acted or the little things that slip out in the script that just yeah. give these indications that this guy's obviously had he's not had it easy and it's
1: definitely sort of impacted him in
0: later life.
1: Yeah. He It doesn't ever, there's never a scene which explicitly states that he's struggling or Mm. he's unwell. Like you say, it just, there's like a moment where he's speaking to his ex partner and he just says, I love you, that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. And I think she says it back as well. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the moment where he's buying a rug and he's just struggling with because he really wants it and he like clearly. Just wants to pay for it, but you know that sort of suggests there might be some financial yes. instability with yeah, him as well. Yeah, yeah. And it's never like stated, or it just it just sort of flourishes and happens. Yes. And like it, it takes a while. It took me a while to th- actually realise there's something wrong here. And it towards the end it gets slightly more obvious, but it never it never slaps it out, does it? Like, no, like, and yeah. I
0: think that's something that we must touch on. I think is this idea of ambiguity in films. Mm. I think it's a real lost art. Certainly in more modern films. I don't want that to be perceived as a sort of cynical view of the current state of the industry, but...
1: No, you're the, right.
0: The sort of idea that, um, that, that films have to sort of signpost you through. Mm. I think it's really special when a film comes along and has, a, in its sort of glacial pacing or in its sort of subtle sort of tell telling signs, reveals so much to you. Yeah, And... I often think with those kind of films, it allows you to superimpose so much more of yourself onto the film, which makes it more impactful. Yeah. And I think that's why we, I felt we had to start talking about our own holidays and stuff, because the film just made it yeah. feel, feel so easy to do that.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, It kind of brought, it bubbled up, like lost memories, really. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, in terms of ang- ambiguity in film, actually, there's something I did want to touch on. Is I yeah. think it does happen quite a lot. Even I'd say more so in like you know with recent cinema, but it can get done wrong as well. Yeah, I feel I feel like uh, I've got some examples here. Like um, uh, both these are controversial. Birdman, the ending to Birdman. Okay. uh, Attempted to be ambiguous. I I actually uh, agree with you there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, and and for me. It was on reflection, I was like, why did they do that? They didn't need yeah. to... You, you know which moment I'm talking about. The very yeah. final shot, and you basically don't know whether he is, he is flying or whether he's plummeted. Yeah. Um, and also Alex Garland's Men. Have you seen that?
0: I've not seen that yet, no. Yeah,
1: it just... It, I, I think that both those films could have really benefited from being more definitive with their conclusions, but they attempted like the ambiguity instead and I think they failed, but where they failed after some really succeeds. Mm, mm. Um, yeah, it's it's a really rare example of a film that does a like tremendous job of wrapping up a narrative without giving you anything definitive.
0: Absolutely, yeah. I think so much of the way we interact with each other or interact with our with problems uh, is, I think. I mean, I might be sort of going a bit <laughs> a bit far here, but I think that. Well, I think we're conditioned by grand narratives in the sense that we expect to learn so much in life from these big seismic moments that come and go yeah. and they reshape our view of something or indeed every fibre of who we are. Yeah. But the reality of life is, is it's not like that. You, you, Most of us are not going to have huge seismic moments all that often. They're going to impact us a great deal. Yeah. I think life is a process of slow, subtle realisations yeah. and things that, you know, and then they sort of snowball and gain traction and they sort of, and that's when they start to impact you more and more. Yeah. And that's where it can inspire change or both for the good or the bad, you know? Yeah. And I think sort of bringing it back round to to Afterson, I think that's, again, why I love this film so much is because it does that. Yeah. You know, it's a film of quiet revelations.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I
0: think the way those revelations are played out it's like no one's giving each other anything, really, hmm. at all. Because the dad doesn't want her child, his child, sorry, to know that he's going through something that she won't be able to understand. She just yeah. can't. No, no. As smart and brilliant as she clearly is, she's not going to get it, is she? She's she, just not going to.
1: She's not been through it herself for a start. Exactly. Um, it's It's also a film which holds things back and doesn't really offer up any explanations and that actually I think it makes the film better it's mm. just something that happens at the end and there's an implication isn't there but it's never stated and but the general implication is I'm going to say now possible spoilers it's not really a film you can spoil but
0: no I mean I think yeah I think I think you're right but yeah I just think to save ourselves yeah,
1: yeah yeah, definitely yeah so sk- skip ahead uh, if you haven't seen it go and go and see it it's fantastic um but yeah, at the end, the implication is he's basically not in her life anymore. Mm-hmm. She's now the same age as he was at the when they went on holiday in the nineties, and that's all you get. Mm. And I actually feel like that's the only point that needed to be made. Nothing, you, you, you know, you didn't need to find out what happened to him. No, you just needed to know that he wasn't around. Yeah, you know, for all we know, he could be in Turkey still sipping pina coladas or. or you know, just but the that doesn't matter the point is is he's not in her life anymore yeah. and uh yeah the it kind of add, just adds to that emotional gut punch at the end i thought absolutely yeah. and, mm. and throughout
0: the the film sort of like interspersing the narrative alongside this sort of glacial pacing and these sort of tentative questions and these sort of um and, and a lot of lounging around are scenes of her older in what seems like some kind of nightclub dancing well, approaching her father and then sort of almost dancing with him. Mm. They're both of the same age. I almost feel like it sort of suggests there's a self-destructive element to his character that uh, I think is revealed then and in other little ways as well. Like the scene where he sort of says, oh, yeah, I've got a business idea with my mate. Oh, that's Absolutely. right. Yeah.
1: Well, there's a bit on the boat as well when he says, "I'm turning 31. I don't think I'll make it to 40." Yeah. And it's really like just sort of springs out of nowhere, yeah. and and then the film rapidly kind of descends back into its normal kind of nice warm holiday. Yeah. And you're just like, oh Jesus Christ, like that's it's awful. Yeah. Yeah. But um, it doesn't dwell on it um, at all.
0: No. I think one thing that I guess really struck me and we sort of touched on this a couple of times about this idea as parents and adults shield their children from sort of the harsh realities mm. i think from the child's perspective it's about sort of realizing that the people you've put on a pedestal aren't perfect yeah and that you know that because when adults do that when they when they sort of shield their children and they and they remain this sort of figure of fun and enjoyment mm. Kids will just think you're the best thing ever. Yeah, I can remember in so many situations in my childhood seeing like a family member cry for the first time, and that really, really impacting me. Yeah, because you only ever you have only ever seen this person in your life as this sort of symbol of fun and joy, and yeah, and you. You know, you almost give them like a sort of deity, godlike status in your mind because mm. they give you so much joy. And then all of a sudden you see this completely human thing that they're doing. Yeah. And yeah, uh, yeah I can remember being really like shocked by that to the point of just not having a clue how to respond or
1: yeah, just, deal with it, you know? Because, yeah. like, I mean, going back to what we were saying earlier, you can't help them. No. As much as you might want to, like you say, because they've been almost deified, yeah. you want to bring them back to that status. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you can't because they're just you know either they're in pieces or they're like had a falling out or something and it, it is like yeah it's they're formative moments spr- sprinkled across your kind of the first 10 years of your life yeah I think so and I
0: think it's those moments that start to sort of you start to realize that there is a bit more and it's my say a bit morbid but there's a bit more sort of difficulty in life coming than you realize yeah yeah definitely. I think you're sort of I don't know, like, I, w- I don't want to say conditioned because that sounds a bit sort of apocalyptic, but I think in sort of school there's these rules and these sort of expectations that are placed. They're not just like rules like, you know, don't rub shit on the walls or whatever, <laughs> that, but yeah. like rules like, you know, you don't say this, don't be like this, you know, yeah. be a bit more, you know, sort of it, almost getting children to sort of build that sort of outward facade of sort mm. of normalcy. Yeah. Before they've even, like... Be- you know, become an adult, you know? So there's already these expectations that are placed on you throughout your educational life. Then you go home and that's probably reinforced yeah. by your parents, depending on the situation of your parents, of course. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I think... And then all of a sudden you start to see these cracks. Yeah. And you start to realise, oh, okay, this, this is different. And, this yeah. feels, and it's almost like... I don't know, whenever I think about those moments, it feels like a kind of a bit of foreshadowing. Mm. Not in the sense that my life has been constant <laughs> dread or pain, thankfully. No, yeah. But I just mean that in the sense that as fun as it can be, there's difficulties coming up and you yeah. have to sort of begin to understand those difficulties or how to respond to them. Mm.
1: Um, yeah, I think, like again, after some approaches that with real grace, yeah. uh, it doesn't ever lapse into kind of... Dramatic territory, mm, it. Mm. But it does, yeah. The the majority of the film does just kind of illustrate how difficult I can imagine. I'm not a parent at all, but I can imagine it being really tough sometimes to kind of keep this mask on mm. uh, of uh, ultimate strength and ultimate because y- you know you you probably you need that in order to enact discipline as well. Yeah. So without that kind of strength. You're not going to be able to tell them yeah. off, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and it is, yeah. I mean, ultimately, the 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 father figure in this film called Callum is struggling to the nth yeah. degree to keep keep this up, and it, he's at almost at breaking point. And she's then of, of the age where I think I probably was as well. When you, like you say, you start to see the cracks appear. Um. One thing I really wanted to mention this actually is kind of interesting uh, Charlotte Wells in a number of interviews has sort of talked about the earlier versions of the screenplay mm-hmm. and how uh, there, there was a lot more kind of overt conflict in okay. the in the, the script that she kind of ultimately chose to remove because it was morphing into a film she didn't want to make and I don't know about you, but I think this kind of benefited the film massively because if the film was concerned with, like, conflict and, you know, combined with that heartbreaking ending, it would have actually made for a really miserable kind of kitchen sink experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and removing that edge probably really mellowed the majority of the film out and also kind of brought forward those warmer themes about childhood memories and childhood curiosity about the world around them. Very nice, I like that. (laughs) Yeah, that's great.
0: Um, no I, I sorry I'll repeat that quickly, if you don't mind yeah yeah uh, yeah no I completely agree I really like that a lot um, I think that um, idea about childhood memories staying with you yeah you know, they're, they're, like you said they're formative moments they sort of sculpt you don't they and they permeate throughout your life yeah yeah and um, I love that the film isn't cynical it isn't, no. it isn't depressing and obviously it's, it's difficult yeah. it shows you a more sort of nuanced version of someone struggling with their mental health, they still have the capacity to be a decent, yeah. wonderful, kind human being. And there's that wonderful scene where he says to her, "You can be whatever you want, and I'll support it. Yeah, and even no matter what's happened, no matter the more destructive aspects of his personality or who he is, yeah. there's still that wonderful, positive side of him that she has chosen to embrace and hold dear to her. Because it's clear, because it's even the, the, I mean, it's a sort of subtle cue but the sort of you can see the rug that he buys is in the living room. I oh, ah yeah. oh, that is good. So so I didn't know that. Those little subtle telling yeah. things. I just think it's such a lovely little again, like just those little snapshots that sort yeah. of just give you just enough to sort of understand the headspace of the characters but not in a way like you say that is like definitive. Mm. Because it's impossible to be definitive about him. No. Even, and, and I think she might find that impossible. Her yeah. character, given that she was a child. and yeah. I don't know. I think that's how these sorts of things should be represented. If the best way to represent them is this. Not to just wallow in the horror of it, necessarily, but to also focus on a more rounded view, Yeah. as all human beings are. As yeah. trite and cheesy as that is.
1: No, no, no. I, th- I, th- I think you're totally right. It, it is not a film. Despite what you might think and what people might tell you, it's actually a really lovely film the majority of it is really nice it does um it it does retain a slight thread of what was originally in the screenplay i think the conflict that she originally intended to um to put in apparently that scene where she drops the mask uh, out of the boat apparently that was originally meant to be like an argument between the two oh, okay. and he was going to be really annoyed about it but she chose to remove that but there's a tension still there and yeah. you can tell he's really like gutted that he's lost this expensive yeah. scuba diving mask, but he, you know, he doesn't, he, he doesn't, he doesn't, you don't need to build on that anymore. No, you um, can
0: tell by his reaction that, that, that it's bothered him. But again, he wants to uphold this, yeah. you know, this, this sort of creaking
1: hmm. sort of
0: facade, I guess. Definitely.
1: That, and it, this kind of, it happens a lot, like the bit, where the karaoke scene is the bo- yeah, I bo- think that's probably the
0: most overt moment, isn't it? Yeah, where he, he does show that frustration, and I think it's yeah. key to have that moment in because it's not a big blown up moment, but it's no. a moment where he, you know, he
1: just for context.
0: I mean, I'm sure if you've seen the film, you'll know, but yeah, um, they have this sort of ritual when they go on holiday there that they sing together. Yeah, and they go out in front of all these holiday makers and sing a karaoke song together, and. Mm. Obviously, in this particular moment, he is not feeling up for anything like that whatsoever. Yeah, I know. And she really sort of badgers him almost to go on the stage, the, mm. the way children do, because they're just excited, they just, yeah. want to, just want to involve you in things. And he sort of not not flies off the handle by any stretch, but he does sort of like sternly, probably one of the few times he's quite stern with her, say, I'm not doing mm. this. Yeah, yeah. And he's it's not just... from a point of discipline. It's from a point of, I'm not feeling great. Yeah, I don't want yeah. to do this. And then she goes down and she sings... Oh, and man. it's just really, really sad. And you can tell he starts to regret that sort of... He does, He's sort yeah. of pulling himself out of that sort of quagmire and sort of going, actually... I should have. Yeah, I should have probably done that, you
1: know. Yeah. Um, he's drinking, isn't he? That's what... Because he yeah. drinks in the film, but the in that moment, it it's slightly troublesome how much he's sinking down um but this is it like it's peppered with these moments and a lot of the film i actually thought something terrible was going to happen because of this sort of dna of unease i thought like i thought one of them was going to drown i thought i honestly i thought he would never when he like wanders off that night, I thought he was never yeah, coming back.
0: Yeah, I did think there's something going on there. But yeah.
1: he does, and it's like it's, it's strange because it it kind of enables you to tap into his mental state a little bit of this sort of like the the parallel lines of holiday and you know presumably like horrendous mental instability. Yeah. Um, but this is it. It is you know although Sophie is very much the protagonist. It is—it's definitely a film about Callum as well, Uh, and there's a great moment at the end, um, which—I mean, I'm kind of again massive sort of spoilers at the moment now, but you know if you've seen it, you'll remember the the sort of 360-degree camera move at the end, which starts on DV footage that he's been shooting throughout the film, and it kind of pans across to her watching it back when she's 31, and then when it pans back. It's him. Uh, yeah. It's him filming it at, yeah. at the airport terminal when he puts the camera away, leaves and goes into uh, and when the doors open, you see a sort of glimpse of the rave, which yes. happened earlier. And it's, you know, it, it, you're sort of saying goodbye to him more than her in that in those yeah. sort of closing moments. Um, and without that sense Throughout the film, that something was going to go wrong. It wouldn't. I don't feel as if that ending would have had nearly as much of an impact. Yeah, yeah. it's the implication
0: that uh, it's almost like he's coming out of that way of life for a breath of fresh air.
1: Yeah, yeah. And then he's
0: going back underwater. Yeah, um, you know. And it takes a lot to bring him out of that. Mm. You know. And I think it's such a great ending. I just thought it was excellent. And that camera move was, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, just from a technical perspective, stunning. Yeah, really interesting. Um, yeah, and, you know, it really served the film's purpose and I think cinematically the film isn't especially flashy there's obviously some wonderful compositions and framing but I think in terms of like camera move the sort of dynamism of the camera isn't particularly noticeable until the sort of later stages of the film yeah correct me if I'm wrong no um, no no I, I, no, I agree like, with like, you like and I think that's almost like testament to Charlotte Wells as a director that she's able to sort of restrain the camera in a way that feels like it's sort of aiding the themes of the film she's restraining the camera and then she's unleashing it in that final scene with yeah. that sort of camera move and it just feels so apt and perfect
1: yeah definitely i um i mean if i was in turkey i wouldn't be shooting a film like that <laughs> i mean i'm not i'm not a filmmaker really but i uh, i would have been like very flashy yeah. with the way i made it i would have been like you know uh Sort of soft focus on the sea and like 235 one aspect ratio, but like, no, she really does make it you know, hones it in very much with these two characters instead. It's Um, a lesson in restraint, isn't it? Yeah, yeah.
0: which I think is really important and something that I think just shows how even the simplest techniques with the right mindset behind them can reveal as Mm. much as the sort of dynamic camera moves.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely.
0: Um, The more dynamic camera moves in films, yeah.
1: (laughs) 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 Um. Yeah, I, I did have. This may shock you. <laughs> uh, I did have one or two criticisms, and I'm, I'm keen
0: to hear this because you mentioned this before. Yeah, and I hadn't really thought about because I was so sort of overwhelmed by the thematic elements of the film that I hadn't really thought about the film critically at all. So I'm mm. quite interested to hear your views.
1: Yeah, it's it's they're nitpicky. Well, and you know. they are actually. I mean, I don't want to give off the impression that. These are big problems at all. Right, it yeah. might be my problem, <laughs> if right, anything. Well, you know. Yeah. Um, so the first one is actually something we've touched on already. The the rave, the dance, okay. the kind of seizure-inducing, flashing light yes. sequences. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I Thought they were a bit like Tate Modern. <laughs> you know okay. what I mean? I thought they were a bit much. They were easing because the rest of the film is so like kind of linear and so. Real, and then it did take me out of it a little bit when all of a sudden I was presented with these really abstract, flashing images. Uh, and I don't know whether maybe they could have been done a little bit more gracefully.
0: Could they have been? I mean, I would, the only thing I was thinking about that would be if they were done in a nightclub, for example, Mm. maybe too literal, maybe in terms of the themes of the film. Yeah, but I see what you're saying. I I, I think because we talked about this actually, um, on the sort of uh on the way over to recording as we spoke about how uh, independent cinema, there are some films that are just so in- independent. It's insufferable. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the sort of Devices they employ and the things they do. Sort of a bit, st- almost studenty.
1: Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: It's like showing off that they can like do these things to the point that it's sort of, you know, it damages the quality of what they had originally. Yeah. So I, yeah. I think, from that perspective, I can see where you're coming from. I personally quite like it because it feels sort of surreal and otherworldly. Okay. And it sort of ties into this idea that she sort of dreams about it mm. almost. And I think when you think about it like that, personally, to me, that that would suit it more than to do it in a more sort of grubbier setting. Yeah. Personally, but I, I I do I can see where you're coming from because it does just stylistically it's so different from the rest of the film
1: so yeah yeah yeah. it it does it sort of feels like it belongs in a different film from you know from my perspective but then again i was thinking about this i don't know how else they could have done it (laughs) either without without making it worse so um so that's my first criticism the second one again really nitpicky and actually i think i might be wrong um because based on what we've discussed it's sort of broadened by understanding of the whole thing uh i know you have a bit of a problem with that kind of child genius in film yeah, yeah cliche yeah, yeah. uh I and you know really when like yeah like so basically <laughs> when children in film inexplicably talk and act like adults with a screenwriting master's degree like they just sort of it, it's not how a child speaks no. um and this is I might be remembering the film completely wrong, but I do think occasionally it might have lapsed into that a oh, little really? bit. Yeah,
0: because I really thought the dialogue. Because you know I've got a keen eye for that sort of shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but I think personally that the way the dialogue was so cryptic, yeah, in the sense that they're sort of not giving too much away to each other at certain points, and she's, I don't know, like I felt like a lot of it felt quite tentative and real. The questioning she the questions she'd asked yeah. were quite sort of tentative and didn't feel too much like there was someone older writing her. Uh, okay. But I can certainly see where you come from because I think in a way when you're writing I mean okay. that's not a writer by any right. of imagination, <laughs> but I can imagine when you're writing those kind of scenes with children you still have to be concerned with plot and moving things forward slightly. Yeah. Even an independent film like this with deliberately sort of wonderfully slow pacing, which is so important to the film. But yeah. even then you're gonna be thinking, you know, we need yeah. to sort of keep this going. Yeah. So maybe there will be moments. It might be I might rewatch the film with that in mind. Yeah. I'd be interested.
1: It's just based on a memory I had. I and I, I might have actually come out of the film not thinking that at all. But um yeah, at the same time, you know, she's nine and there she does she's really really inquisitive and that's yeah. fact, but they you know 9 year olds can and almost certainly are yeah, yeah. really inquisitive and very observant and especially in the case of her character and it pays for her character to be that way because of obviously what her dad's going through and how she and reacts her, to uh, that yeah, yeah yeah so you know maybe it actually served the film really well and i was just remembering it wrong well but, i mean i know.
0: think to sort of go on the back of what you just said there i think if you're a kid that's from a product of like a divorce or a breakup, I think you, it makes you a bit more like that. Yeah, you know when you, when you're when you're sort of more aware of mm. emotional difficulty. Um, I don't know. I don't know. That's just a little side thought. But, that's
1: true. Yeah. No. You I, know, like I think
0: you are sort of like because you're sort of trying to piece together why that thing why that happened in the first place. Yeah. And obviously, like we've said so several times before, you've only got your childlike perspective to sort of weigh in on that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, interesting.
1: Yeah, no, that's, that is interesting, actually. I didn't think about it that way. Um, I wanted to ask one more question. Go for it, then we'll wrap it up. Do you think, when she's leaving the airport, she's going back to a kind and loving mum?
0: I think so. Yeah, yeah I think so. I, what I and it's funny you ask that question because I was <laughs> going to sort of say it uh, just after, but it's like I feel that like these are just two people that are trying to do the best by her. Yeah. Um, and they obviously there's obviously suggested issues between them. Obviously they're split up for a reason, right? The yeah. There's yeah. never not a reason. Of course. Um, and we never hear much about her. So obviously it's all down to sort of speculation. Yeah totally um,
1: which is one of the film's strengths.
0: Agreed yes but I love that you asked that question I think it's a really interesting question. I, I, I just think that looking at it I think I feel that it might be more on him.
1: Yeah.
0: That they, they split up.
1: That Yeah I, I, do, I do totally agree with you actually. And it might be unfair I don't know obviously it's yeah. all but
0: that's the sub sort of impression.
1: Mm. That I get. It's funny because usually in a scene like that at an airport terminal you'd kind of you'd want to draw the emotion from the fact that she might be going back to a place of danger, but I didn't, I didn't get that at all from this. I got the fair, I distinctly got the feeling that she was going back somewhere safe. Yeah. And the, the kind of raw power of that ending more came from him. Yeah. Uh, and, and the fact that he was almost left behind, uh, which yeah it was a really nice really refreshing way to do a scene like that and, yeah. and to kind of end the the film that way. Um shout out also to the music in that. I've been humming it all day. I don't know why. It's a, a really die like die? No. Cut that out. It's f- fantastic but very um very emotional piece of music just six notes on a violin. But I don't know why. yeah that there's a bit of music at the end that plays over the end credits. It's it's just it works so well. <laughs> yeah, I know, <laughs> I feel, yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. yeah Yeah. great yeah
0: well there we have it After Sun brilliant film again out on MUBI on January the 6th that's I think
1: January the 6th yes good
0: Uh, please go and watch it if anything to support uh, independent filmmaking just just also just take in a film that I think will probably speak to a lot of people about the things that yeah. we sort of t- discussed.
1: Absolutely, yeah. It might be a bit presumptuous, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think but I think I
0: think I think it really well, so please go and watch
1: it. And uh, yeah, look out for the sequel, Pseudocrem. <laughs> Coming soon to a boots near you. Questing the synthetic line. Fantastic. Uh, we should probably mention, in the last podcast, we said this would be fortnightly. We're, we're acutely aware that it's been less than a fortnight. It's been less than a week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: obviously, I think it, we're obviously just excited to be doing this, but hmm. there are going to be some things coming up, personal things coming up that are probably going to make the recording episodes a bit trickier. Yeah, so definitely. So we just felt that whilst we have the free time, that's not to say we're going to stop recording in that period. It just meant that whilst we've got the free time, let's just Get him out of
1: there. Absolutely. If we got someone on our mind, like I mean After Sun's gonna be on my mind for a really long time. Yeah. Like I feel almost a lot better about the film now that not that the film was a negative thing, but it is very tough to mm. you know, yeah t- navigate. And uh, yeah, I feel a lot better now I've sort of hashed it out and talked about it. So I hope you feel the same by listening to it. Who knows? Yeah.
0: So, uh in classics and the boys' fashion Ooh. we are again looking ahead to the next episode, which Is a bit of a blinder, we think. Mm. Um, As January is a bit of a shit time for films. I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of alright films, but we're going to sack those off in favour of a more broader discussion this time. Yeah. So we're going to discuss the impact of cultural nostalgia, particularly on films, of course. Yeah. And how that has impacted the films that we are watching and our relationship with films, whilst also discussing the nature of nostalgia itself and... You know how positive is it how positive an impact does it have on our lives
1: yeah and how how negative of an impact does it have as well yes yeah
0: so tune in for that
1: one absolutely uh, but in the meantime uh, have a
0: lovely weekend and you'll probably hear us sometime next week yeah I one. think
1: next week next week's a good shout yeah thank you bye. very much
0: cheers see ya bye Questing the hello just a quick uh, audio PS of sorts uh we triumphantly apologised for the audio being rubbish, as if to suggest we'd fixed it. You can tell by this episode we haven't. Uh we don't know what we're doing. <laughs> oh fucking okay, no all right, we keep it steady. We believe we've figured out the issue. I think we have the mics too close together. <laughs> I don't know. Next
1: episode we're we'll putting them even closer together. <laughs> yes, you can hear
0: ya. So yeah, sorry about that. We'll figure it out. Well, yeah, we're still green. Leave us alone.